listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the bonus hour of Miller and Moulton on this final Wednesday of February. Year is flying by. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Shelby Mass to join us in 20 minutes' time. The bracketologist for USA Today, he of the bracketwag.com site. We think it's the best one. We really do. In terms of every day or night, he is updating it. Who's in, who's out, what line they're on. Very easy to read and understand. He lists the teams in order, too. Like, so you know first four out, and he lists them in order, so you know who's, you know, next and... I don't know. We just love it. I found it the easiest to navigate. Of all, of all the bracket sites out there, I don't know if he's the best. He's as good as any of them. I just find his site the easiest to navigate and the easiest to get information on quickly. And as David said, he's updating it daily this time of year. And I want to ask him about the Canes, who won their seventh straight last night. They're tied for first in the ACC. I think they're a sleeper Final Four team. They've got a veteran backcourt, and they can score. And so, you know, I'm actually, like, Mark, I feel better about Miami than I do Houston. Houston may be the best defensive team in the country, but the game in the tournament where you can't put the ball in the ocean even when you're standing in it, that's usually what derails you when you're a good team. Miami is probably not going to have one of those games. You might beat them. You might be better. But remember, they went to the Elite Eight last year. They had a lead on Kansas at the half. And then the Jayhawks just whooped them in the second half in the region final. But, I mean, the core of this group's coming back to do it again. He can coach. Take a look at his tournament record. There's no doubt that he can coach, David. There's no doubt. And you're right. I'll tell you the team – and I know they lost to Texas Tech recently, a team that I think is starting to play a lot better. And I know, you know, their coach left with all the controversy at the end of the season. Texas is starting to find themselves, and they're they're another team that can score points. Man, they whacked Iowa State last night. Well, Iowa Tough. State's one of those teams like Houston, not as good. But when Iowa State struggles offensively, it can be a painful watch. I don't think they'll do anything in the tournament. They may win like, a game. They may win two. But I was of the Big 12 teams, Iowa State's the one I've got the least faith in because they can't score. Like right now, Tennessee's been – wasn't Tennessee number one in the country for a moment? I know they got as high as two. I thought they were number one for a week. But, Mark, Tennessee's ranked right around where Miami is, depending on the poll. All right, right now. Tennessee or Miami in the NCAA tournament, who goes further? Who and I know you got to see the bracket and all that, but right now, 20 bucks. Tennessee or Miami? I think ten I mean, I think Miami, Tennessee's been struggling. They've lost four of their last five games. That's obviously they can write the ship between now and when the tournament starts, but I don't like teams that are struggling in February. Well, and I don't like teams who can I mean, every now and then you could leave Tennessee alone on the court and they just can't score. And I don't like teams like that in the tournament. They scare the blank out of me. So, as you pointed out, Miami hits their free throws. They seemingly can score 75 against anybody. Take it. Take a look, by the way, historically. You know, basically, you got to average over 75 points a game if you're going to win the national championship. 
it's quite frankly why I wouldn't have any Big Ten team winning the Big Ten, winning the national championship. They don't score well enough in that league. They still play a style of basketball that the rest of the world quit playing ten years ago. And I know Purdue's got the big, and with him they can do great things. They got one kid that I think shoots three pointers really well, but I've seen him get really cold also. Lawyer, I think his name is, and uh, I, I don't trust anybody in the Big Ten. Purdue, I trust the most. But I can't trust a team in that conference to win a national championship. They don't score enough, David. Oh, here's the funny thing. I mean, are we going to give give Northwestern another couple of weeks? Or are we going to have to start talking about them the way we're talking about Miami? I mean, there's it's so hard when you're named I Northwestern. Know. I know. But listen, Chris Collins, their coach, came out the other day and said, listen, there are not five guys playing any better in this league than us right now. He said, you can think whoever you want is the best team in the league. He goes, that's fine. But, I mean, this is a head coach who came out. I mean, you know, they beat what? Purdue, Indiana. Yeah, they beat Indiana. And, They've beaten Sparty. Beat Iowa they, by 20. Right. No, David, they're, it's a remarkable story. Yeah, because his job was on the line three months ago. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> and now he's going to be like, well, extension or I'm leaving. It's up to you. Makes no difference to me. But Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network. Today, 43 years ago, tonight, started late afternoon, ended early evening. The Miracle on Ice. You may see or hear a little something about it today. It's one of those, one of those things. Just the biggest sports moment in this country's history. And it's difficult to imagine a scenario in which it would ever fall to number two. That even the NFL and the Super Bowl is kind of like, no, we got to give you that one. No, you got that one. I mean, we wonder, could it, if the U.S. men, okay, and it's not being sexist, but men's sports are bigger than women's. And besides, the women have already done this multiple times, including in this country. But, Mark, imagine the day, and this takes quite a leap of faith, but imagine the day that the U.S. men's soccer team wins the World Cup. And even if it did, David, I don't think it has a chance to be number one given the political times that we were in in the Cold War when beating the Soviets in this hockey game. I can't ever envision the team we would be playing in the final that would carry the weight of USA versus Russia in 1980. Even though, and we've, you know, we both know, and we've said it many times, like this was actually the Friday night semifinal, if you will. Actually, it was a round robin. Four teams emerged from the two groups into a round robin. The USSR had two points at the start of the round robin. The USA and Sweden each had a point. And Finland had zero points. Why? The Soviets had beaten Finland, get two points for a win. USA and Sweden had finished tied. And technically, we were the second place team in our group. That's why we had to play the first place team in the other group. And it was scheduled for either 5 or 5.30 in Lake Placid. And the, the Olympics and ABC went to the Soviets and said, hey, can you move this to the second game, 8, 8.30? And they went, no. I mean, first off, like, like 
like a country would have that choice today. Right. <laughs> that no 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 the no the team who won Group A they they have the power here not the Olympic not the IOC. Right. Let's make sure we get Finland Sweden in prime time because that's the game everybody wants to watch. And if you've ever heard Al Michaels or Ken Dryden talk about it, they had to stay and continue to broadcast Sweden Finland, of which well, no one was watching. And it wasn't and on the live. Was two thirds empty. What is the you know the great scene that was the giveaway that I wasn't smart enough at ten years old to recognize is when Jim McKay's out in the streets setting up the broadcast, if you will. People are going crazy. Fat blank crazy. They're running around, jumping around. They've they've just beaten the Soviets. And he's trying to set up the game that they're running on tape delay. And it's why, by the way, we had to beat Finland Sunday morning to win the gold. When we beat the Soviets, we got two points. We had three points. Sweden and Finland tied. So Sweden got a point. They and the Soviets had two. Finland had one. So you went into Sunday, Sweden and the Soviets, the U.S. and Finland, all the medals were up for grabs. I believe because of gold differential, if we had lost to Finland, the worst we could do was a bronze. Like we couldn't go from winning it all to nothing. But when we were trailing 2-1 going to the third, we were staring a bronze right in the face, potentially. And that's why when we won, we got the two points. We had five. The best the Soviets could do was get to four. Hence, we won the gold. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd you have to drop a scenario where we're playing who in the World Cup final? China? And I, and I, I mean... Well, yeah. I, I mean... First off, Russia you know, again, I, you know, what, I mean, right. What, what year do you envision this miracle happening? And then who are we most, you know, animus towards at that time? And also, you know, like just imagine it happens in 2020. When's the next one in our country? It's the next one. It's 26, right? right? Okay. And since we're hosting. All right, because that obviously was part of the allure. We did this in our country at Lake Placid. I mean, who would we have to beat? Well, you know, who are the number one soccer nations? The problem is we're not at war with any of them, are we? Right. Beating England would be nice. We'd really enjoy it, but it wouldn't have the fever that it did with playing the Soviets. Beating Spain or France or Germany just doesn't have the same thing. I mean, would we have to be Brazil in the semis and England in the final? I mean, you know, it's tough to line this sucker up. Do you think that could become number two, though? Like, if the U.S. men were to ever win the World Cup, do you think it would become the second biggest sports thing that's ever happened in our country's history? Or do you think we would still look at, like, you know, for me, Duke-Kentucky's the second greatest thing I've ever seen. The level of play, the I mean, you know, Kentucky shot fifty-seven percent and lost. I mean, you know, Hall of Famers, coaches, players. To me, that's the outside of Lake Placid. That's the best damn thing that I've that's ever happened in a sports world. I could see where it could get really close, David. I really do because 
what will have happened between now and then, the the way we look at soccer will continue to change positively. The demands put on a team that really will not be able to meet expectations will be heightened by the time we get there because that's the way we, you know, we're ranked 10th in the world, but we think we're supposed to, or 20th in the world, we think we're supposed to be the best in the world. <laughs> so the right. pressure on this team would be there. I could see where it would could could have a shot at number two. Maybe not to you, and maybe not to some, you know, of our generation, but I could see where in Felipe's generation it would be such a big deal that maybe it would vault up the list. Miller and Moulton will switch gears and talk brackets next. Shelby Mast from Bracket Wag coming up on Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton. Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Shelby Mass, kind enough to join us. He is Mr. Bracketwag, bracketwag.com. Follow him on Twitter at bracketwag, W-A-G. Shelby, David and Mark, once again, how are you? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How are you? Well, we're doing fine. Listen, is there a scenario that you envision where Purdue, Houston, Bama, and Kansas are not the one seeds? Like, who has a legitimate shot? if they win out to be a one, if not those four? I think the two seeds, they're all in play. Texas, UCLA, uh, Baylor, and Arizona. A lot would have to happen, but this year there is not a dominant team or teams that are secure in their seeds. How high up can Miami seeding get? They had a great win last night on the road at Virginia Tech where somehow they were an underdog. You have them as a four right now. How high could Miami get? I think they could get to a three. That's probably it. Uh, I moved them up to a four last night. That was a good win. Plus Xavier lost at home. Uh, Have some more scenarios like that where other teams above them lose multiple games and they can scoot on up. You've got Kentucky right now somewhat safely in, probably got about six to eight teams between them and the bubble. But if Florida beats them tonight, first off, how close do you think that gets Kentucky to the line? And secondly, how close does that get Florida to being seriously considered? Uh, it's in, the game's in Florida, so if they lose, it's not a big hit to them. It doesn't hurt too bad on the road. If Florida were to win, it doesn't help them a whole lot because Kentucky isn't the Kentucky of old. They're just a bubble team this year, so it's not a big win. Um, I I can see maybe moving a couple of spots on the true seed line, but maybe Kentucky could maybe move up one line depending on how bad they beat them. I know you uh, You always point this out on your site. This is not to try to win your office pool, but I'm just curious, how many teams do you think are Final Four worthy right now? Because as you mentioned, there's no dominant team. So do we have 16 teams you think that are viable for a Final Four spot this year? Is that a is that a fair number, Shelby? Uh, given the right bracket, I, I think it could be as many as 20. There, there is, you know, there's no dominant team, so everybody is more on an even plane than usual. 
and I th- it's going to make for a great tournament, I hope. Shelby, North Carolina's out, according to you right now. We agree for whatever that is worth. But, I mean, how many chances do they legitimately have to get in? I mean, you know, they're at Notre Dame tonight. That won't do them any good. I mean, what, is Duke their only chance for a quad one win the rest of the way? I mean, they, you know, can a team make the tournament without a quad one win? I don't think so. Now, with this new system that the NCAA has put in, it's their baby. And so I think that you really do have to get at least one quad one win to, to figure in. Now, they play Virginia. That would be a good one. Get Virginia and Duke, you got two. And if you remember last year, Carolina was about in the same spot with two weeks ago, and it wasn't until they won at Duke to bump them up into the bracket, and then we saw what they did there. Big Ten's got a couple of teams that are right on the bubble with Wisconsin and being one of the last four in Michigan, one of the next four out. What's Michigan have to do to get into the tournament? Win games. That's it. They, they they did enough damage early in the year, took some bad losses. They need some big wins. They've had a few, but I, it's not enough right now. I think uh, if they were to win, go three and one of these last four, that might be enough, and then have a good show in the tournament. Shelby Mast, the bracketologist for USA Today and Gannett. BracketWag is his site, BracketWag.com. Follow him on Twitter at BracketWag, Bracket W-A-G. All right, we put the kiss of death on FAU last week because, A, we interviewed their coach on the show, and then we asked you about their seeding and what have you. They, of course, lost the game last week. You have them on the nine line. Shelby, if they were to win out but lose their conference final, do you think they're in? I do. I think they have done enough for the year that that will be that'll get them in. I don't know what their season will be. Probably about right where I have them. But uh, they, if they were to lose a couple more in the regular season, that that could be dicey coming down to selection Sunday. If they don't win the tournament, they're going to be very nervous selection Sunday. Is there a Big Ten team not named Purdue that can make a deep run in this tournament? They, they're so ch- the conference seems challenged offensively. Do you like Northwestern or Rutgers? Or is there someone you like not named Purdue in the Big Ten? I like Indiana. Uh, even though they lost last night, I like what they're doing. And uh, Trace Jackson Davis, he's a, a fine player. He's really good. He's a big guy. He he can play kind of all over the court, and he seems to have very a very calm, cool demeanor. Uh, that's that's the kind of guy that I think could lead them up far into the tournament. Shelby, can you remember, like right now, you have eight of the ten Big 12 teams in. You have West Virginia as one of your final four in, and you have Texas Tech as one of your first four out. Has there ever been a conference that got nine out of ten teams in the tournament before? No, I think the record was the Big East in 2009 or 2011. That's when the committee made all these rule changes because there were so many that we had three one seeds that were from the Big East. That, I think, is the most by a conference, and most percentage-wise, 
probably last year Big Ten or Big Twelve. Sorry. Do you think the Big Twelve can get two Final Four teams in? The conference is so good, so deep. They've been beating one another up. Boy, we all think Kansas is really tough. I think Texas and Baylor are right there too. I think this conference could get two in the Final Four. Do you think that's possible? I think it is. I just wonder if they're going to have much left in the tank when it comes time to play in the lead eight. I'm worried about the bottom of the conference, Shelby. Like, I mean, we all know it's the best conference in the country, but I, now, you know, the West Virginia is suffering losses. Oklahoma State's really starting to get beat up. You've got the Cowboys on the 10 line, West Virginia on the 12 line, one of the last four in, and Texas Tech is still on the outside looking in. I'm worried that at the end of the day, Shelby, they may only get seven because they literally beat up the bottom of the conference and keep them out. Yeah, that's a very, that's a real possibility. I can't Oklahoma State and West Virginia just take on a little bit more water and be okay. I think the committee showed respect to the Big 12 by having five teams in the top three seeds. Uh, and so I think that could bode well for the bottom of the of the Big 12, but don't know. It depends on how they've got some games left to do things. Uh, and finally, Shelby, uh, the ACC is having like an internal debate as to just how good, bad, mediocre they are. When you look at the ACC this year, how do you grade them? Not great. Uh, they've got a lot of teams that are good or pretty good, but nobody except Miami and Virginia that are really Final Four worthy. Uh, I, I think they're getting multiple teams in because the size of the, the conference is just so big. They're going to, you know, a lot of averages, they're going to get a bunch in. But I, I don't see them faring well. I, I'll, be, I'll be surprised if anybody gets to the ELA day. He shall be masked. He's the Bracket Wag, bracketwag.com. Follow him on Twitter at BracketWag, W-A-G. Shelby, as always, thanks for making time for us. Five he has right now in from the ACC. Five with Carolina out. Nine from the Big Ten. Eight from the Big 12 and SEC. Because he's got Mississippi State sneaking in. Miller and Moulton. Big one for the Gators tonight, hosting Kentucky. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Before we get to good, bad, and ugly, what's on tap today was the day when all that stuff. Something happened yesterday, which in years past we would have done at least half a segment, if not a short segment on. The AAC released their football schedule. Well, there's no UCF in the league anymore. And South Florida has been down now for quite a while. Plus also, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, leave the conference. North Texas, UTSA, Rice, Charlotte, FAU, UAB, 
That's what's filling out the league now. That that's a big drop off, isn't it? That's a huge drop off. I mean, so that, it, you know, when UCF and Cincinnati and Houston were joining the AAC, didn't we look at them as like at least Triple A programs? And now, obviously, they've all played their way up to the majors. I mean, Houston, you know, had a Heisman Trophy winner. Cincinnati made the playoff. UCF had, a, you know, back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. They're all major league now. You can, you know, say they're the Royals or the Marlins or what have you, but they're in the majors. They're in the show. North Texas, UTSA, Rice, FAU, Charlotte, UAB. David, it's like the AAC got relegated. You went Major League Baseball to your comparison. When you say that to me, and I know it's the opposite of how they do it, but it's like, wow, did a whole league just get relegated down a step? And if I stick with my baseball analogy, doesn't that right now, you know, the hope obviously is for the league, but by the end of this decade, first off, South Florida returns to prominence and what have you, and they've played their way up like UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and others have over time. But doesn't that feel very double A? One hundred percent. For what it's worth, FAU week three at Clemson, week four at Illinois. No FIU on the schedule anymore. That's I'm sorry, you got to figure that out. It's who your fans want to play. Figure it out. You know, and also Thanksgiving weekend at Rice. So you know that big rivalry weekend. FAU's at Rice. Meanwhile, South Florida, listen, you want to buy season tickets, Alabama's coming to town. Week three, right? Yep, week three. I think it's the week after Bama plays Texas. And before that, South Florida's going to play FAMU, and midway through the season, they're hosting FAU. So, you know, it might not be a bad little season ticket package to get your hands on. And for what it's worth, though, Mark, instead of Thanksgiving weekend, you know the I four war, right? No, no, that that that's not on the schedule anymore. Instead, they're hosting Charlotte. Yeah, playing for the I ninety five trophy. <laughs> Even though I ninety five goes nowhere near Tampa, I know I probably should have given that an ounce more thought. So um, anyway. Talk about a big drop, you know, and both schools no longer. I'm sorry, do what you got to do. And I know UCF's not inclined. You know, they want to you know lower ourselves to playing South Florida anymore. Hey, come on, your fan base still wants to see it. How, can't you do a two-for-one? Can't you do it in September? I, I get – I know you want to see it rivalry weekend, and I understand that, but maybe that's just not possible with where they're going and right. what they're doing. Okay? Right. Play the game in September. Play it as one of your non-conference games. If like Michigan were- and Notre Dame could play non-conference games for the better part of three, four generations, UF, USF and UCF can play one another. They can get it done. It can happen. We thought for the longest time that when scheduling was going to happen that Florida's games with Florida State and Tennessee were going to have to be flip-flopped. That we just thought the conference was going to be like, yeah, you can't be playing a non-conference game that late in the year. We, we need this game to be that sexy that late. And we thought the Florida-Florida State game might get moved to, like, mid-September. That still never happened. We're shocked by it. And good for the rivalry, by the way. 
But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, first off, if you're FAU and FIU, come on, you got to play each other. It's the only damn game your fans care about. All right. And if you're South Florida, you got to get UCF on the schedule. You can curse them the whole way. And yeah, right now, don't know what to tell you. They outrank you. If you got to do a two for one, do it, man. Get them on the schedule. It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. David, today in 1879, the first five and dime opened by Frank Woolworth in Utica, New York. Apparently it failed almost immediately, but he'd keep at it. 1888, John Reed, who is the father of American golf, first demonstrates golf on a Yonkers cow pasture to friends. They must have been riveted by that, huh? Yonkers? Thank you. Cow pasture. (laughs) Wait, we playing hoop? No. No. No, I'm going to hit this ball with a stick. What? What this This hard cow patio worked just as well. 1959, the inaugural Daytona 500. Lee Petty and Johnny Beauchamp crossed the finish line side by side. Beauchamp declared the unofficial winner, and in NASCAR's true way of doing things, the ruling was overturned after three days by Bill France Sr. That that sentence describes 75 years of NASCAR. No doubt about it. There are rules, and then there's what we say goes. Today in 1962, Wilt Chamberlain sets an NBA record with 35 Four free throw attempts in Philadelphia's win over St. Louis. He would only make 19 of them, by the way. 19. Why? Sorry, Mark. When he scored 100, he was 28 of 32 from the line, a career 51% free throw shooter. Normally, he would have made 17 of 32. That day, he made 28 of 32. 1970, the 12th Daytona 500, Pete Hamilton. Wins by just three car lengths over David Pearson. 1980, we've mentioned it a few times today. The Miracle on Ice. USA beating the USSR 4-3 at Lake Placid. Today in 1992, Barbara Streisand would surprise cast members and do her cameo appearance at the end of Coffee Talk on Saturday Night Live. Was phenomenal, by the way. Well, that's like when McCartney and Lennon nearly popped in. They were watching Saturday Night Live. And and George Harrison uh, was uh, the musical guest. And that's, right. that's when Lauren Michaels basically said a million. Right. If you get him to come, I'll give you a million. And the two of them were watching it from like five blocks away and apparently like said, come on, what do you say? And then decided not to. 2015 at the 57th Daytona 500, Joey Logano wins for the second time. It was four years ago today that Robert Kraft got caught at a rub and tug. Nothing happened. Nothing. No. Nope. Nope. Nothing. Nope. 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 NFL justice, baby. It's like wrestling. It's like NASCAR. I don't worry. We'll take care of this. And a year ago, the U.S. women's soccer players settled their lawsuit with the U.S. Soccer Federation for $24 million in a promise to equalize pay. Big list of birthdays today. First, those that are no longer with us. Right at the top. Let's start with George Washington. Charlie Finley. Don Pardo. 
Speaking of Saturday Night Live and every other show that he voiced for, hockey players Sid Abel, Ted Kennedy, Sparky Anderson, and Steve Irwin all born today. Those celebrating birthdays today, Dr. J is 73. VJ Singh is 60. Pat LaFontaine is 58. Mark Chamura is 54. Michael Chang is 51. And Drew Barrymore is 48. What did I miss, David? Eight? No, nine years ago today, we arrested El Chapo. That's it. That's all I got. You've heard folks elsewhere mock, Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? Huh. Wow. <laughs> want, me, want me to go through college hoops tonight? You know. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I, I just did a four-hour show, and I've got team. one thing to do. I've got one <laughs> thing to do. All right, the good park workers rescue an alligator in Brooklyn Park. Why an alligator was in Brooklyn is beyond me, but they rescued it. Well, listen, if they could play, you know, golf and Yonkers, there could be an alligator in Brooklyn. I had nothing. I'm not going to lie. I've done the whole show without paying any attention to the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, I'll give you the bad. Tonight's sports lineup. To be, there's no NBA for another night. There's only three NHL games. Once again, anybody involved in the NHL paying attention to the sports world? All right. NBA's off. You might want to schedule a bunch of games while the NBA's off. No football, no baseball. It's just an idea. Crazy one at that. Three games, none of them any good. College hoops tonight. Now, it's a big night. You know, a lot of games being played. FGCU needs to win, thank you very much. At home against Lipscomb. They're tied for the last playoff spot, tied for 10th. They got two yeah, home games left. We thought for sure they'd be able to get a split with Stetson. They didn't do so. They lost both. No. So now they're in need. Well, they have Austin P at the end, but... They can't guarantee right. just to get to that game. They, they need to probably win one more. Yes, and Jacksonville's home for their last two, and that's who FGCU is tied with. Now, the, the Eagles own the tiebreaker, so obviously do the math. But FGCU home for Lipscomb. Lipscomb's ahead of them in the standings. Also, F, Lipscomb is actually a school that FGCU has historically struggled with. The Sweet 16 year, Lipscomb swept FGCU. Entering the ASUN tournament that year, believe me, FGC was like, we're not going to play Lipscomb, are we? And I got taken out in the first round. It was like, whoo, for whatever reason, didn't match up well with them. It was their only home loss of the year. They beat Mercer that year. They beat Miami that year. Lost to Lipscomb. But uh, Gators hosting Kentucky. Must win for the Gators. Yeah, it really is. Game of the night. It's the Mark Miller special, 630 FS1, Providence at UConn. Love it. However, aren't you curious how the South Carolina fans are going to greet Alabama tonight, 9 o'clock on ESPN2, after the story that broke yesterday about the star player was the one that delivered the gun to the kid, okay, who then handed it to his buddy and shot and killed that that woman how do you think the south carolina fan base is going to greet nate oates 
and the Alabama team tonight. I have a feeling some of the chants are going to be a little inappropriate. I think you can bet on that. I think it's going to be a, a tough night for Alabama basketball on the road. And they're a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. South Carolina is not good. They could lose 20 games this year. And Alabama has no problem beating teams by 50 or 60, too. I mean, they played Georgia over the weekend and doubled them up almost. They won by, like, 50. So so how well can Alabama, you know, keep this in-house and try to play basketball tonight? Because this is obviously a much bigger story than basketball, and their program is taking a lot of heat right now and will continue to do so for the next couple of days. And you Canes fans, you need to root for BC tonight. They're hosting Virginia. These are the type of games, you know, BC right around 500, Virginia tied for first with the Canes in the ACC. But when the ranked teams oftentimes go on the road and play the unranked teams, they get beat. That's why the Canes are so impressive. They avoided that last night. Can Virginia avoid the upset tonight at BC? Miami hoping not. There's what's on tap. I promise tomorrow I'll do better with the good, the bad, and the ugly because I can't possibly do worse than I did today. <laughs> I had that whole commercial. I had every commercial break of the show, I was here at 5.15 this morning and literally looked up at my screen and went, oh, man. Ah, oh, come on. You had George Washington's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it all starts with him, right? It sure does. I mean, I know it started technically Columbus, the Indians, but, you know, I mean, I don't know. You read the history books. It kind of sort of started with him. So you, you had that and the miracle on ice. What the hell else you need? It's a pretty good day, isn't it? It's a pretty good day. Washington and the miracle on ice. That's as good as we can do. Great show today. If you missed any of it, go to floridasportsnetwork.com to download any part of the show that you may have missed. Pat Kerwin was a guest today, as well as Shelby Mass Bracketology. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow. The good, the bad, and the ugly included. Florida Sports Network.